Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. This week, fighting over the nation-state bill continued. Most of this broadcast will cover this issue, but with a shocking insight at the end. I must first lay the foundation before I can tell you what I think will be coming next. Stay tuned to find out. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called on ministers not to be apologetic about the nation-state law. The Jewish nation-state is a cornerstone of our existence, Netanyahu said. Don't be apologetic. Fight for the truth, he said. The attacks from the left, which calls itself Zionist, reveal how low the left has sunk, Netanyahu added. The Israeli left has to do some soul-searching, he said. It must ask itself why a basic tenet of Zionism, a Jewish nation-state for the Israeli people in its country, has become for it a rude term, a dirty word, a principle that one should be ashamed of. I'll tell you why. Netanyahu is defining the Bible's word Zion in secular and selfish, worldly terms. Zion is God's land, His city, and His people. And His people are more and greater than just the Jews alone. There are eight other tribes in Biblical Zion. That's why Zion, the way Netanyahu defines the term, is rude and a dirty word because it does not describe biblical Zion at all. This time, the left got it right. Netanyahu then added that we are not ashamed of Zionism. We're proud of our state as it is a Jewish home for the Jewish people that strictly adheres to the individual rights of all its citizens. Therein lies the problem. The nation-state bill has redefined who is a citizen and who is not. It's a no-brainer that a nation could say it upholds the rights of all citizens, but if that state does not view you as a citizen, even though you live there, were born there, have a passport there, well... That state doesn't uphold your rights, does it? Pride goeth before a fall. One obvious truth in the world is that the UN-created political state of Israel certainly is Jewish. If that were not the case, if the nations did not view the state of Israel as Jewish, there would be no problem. There would be no threats to drive the Jews living between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean into the sea. The bill was not necessary, unless we can find one person on earth that does not associate Israel with the Jews. No, the bill lays bare an underlying problem with an underhanded plan. This issue is not one of nationality or culture. It is one of obedience to the Torah and fear. First, let me comment on the obedience issue. I'll comment on the fear issue at the end of the broadcast. 
Now let's look at how this nation-state bill is making the Jews disobedient to the Torah. Exodus 12.49 says, One law shall be to him that is home-born and to the stranger that sojourns among you. See also Numbers 15.16 and Numbers 15.29. The Torah defines ger or stranger to mean a non-Israelite male who lives and works in Israel who gains the privilege of full citizenship if he undergoes circumcision, according to Stuart Krauss, B.A.M.A., in his paper titled, The Word Ger in the Bible and Its Implications. During the first temple period, Ger meant only stranger and never implied proselyte or convert. Female Ger are not required to be circumcised. However, Ger are only required to be circumcised for keeping Passover. The current cultural Jewish definition of Ger means one who is converting to Judaism. But this is not the Bible's first use definition from Genesis 15.13. A Ger was defined by God as one who is not native to the place of residence. The word first applied to Hebrews who would find themselves residents of a foreign land, after which Yahweh would use their experience to teach them compassion toward Ger living among them in Israel. Israelites are not permitted to taunt or oppress a Ger, Exodus 22.20, withhold financial assistance, Leviticus 25.35, or charge him interest on a loan, Leviticus 25.36 and 37. The Ger who dwells with you shall be like a native among you, and you shall love him like yourself, for you were strangers, Gerim, in the land of Egypt, Leviticus 19.33. Non-Jews living in Israel and everywhere else in the world are as dear to Yahweh as the Jews. The nation-state bill legislated rebellion against God plain and simple. That bill allows for the discrimination of minority groups in Israel. This is not the only rebellion against the Torah and coming kingdom that the Jews have now legislated. There is another fact to consider in the debate about the Ger. One might assume that most, if not all, non-Jews in Israel are uncircumcised but such is not the case Islam requires male circumcision this is another way we know that physical circumcision is not equal to spiritual circumcision that of the heart but the point is that physically there is no difference between Jews and most non-Jews in Israel According to God's word, all who are circumcised must be made full and equal citizens since they are eligible to keep Passover. Some of Netanyahu's ministers admitted the law was a mistake 
and added, It's not too late to apologize again, to amend and introduce equality. Israeli Arab Knesset member Zuhair Balul of the Zionist Union announced that he intends to resign from the Knesset in protest over the controversial law, saying it oppresses him and the population that elected him. The government submits the Knesset to its whims. The Knesset has become a rubber stamp of exceptional and racist legislation, he said. I will run from it as one runs from raging fire. According to the scriptures, member of Knesset Zuhair Balul is correct. As expected, American Orthodox Jews agree with the nation-state bill, according to a poll taken this week. Last week, Drew's lawmakers were the first to file a High Court of Justice petition against the legislation. A hundred Drew's Israel Defense Forces Reserve officers added their voices to that effort on Wednesday, prompting Education Minister Naftali Bennett to speak out in support of Our Blood Brothers on Twitter. Finance Minister Moshe Kalon echoed similar sentiments on Thursday, telling Israel Army Radio the enactment of the nation-state law was done hastily. We were wrong, he said, and we need to fix it. A New York Times article titled, Their Blood Brothers with Israel's Jews but Druze Call New Law a Betrayal, quoted Shadi Nasruddin saying, It's as if the Israeli people simply abandoned us. They say they didn't, but according to the clauses of this law, we don't exist. Shadi Nasruddin is a 45-year-old Druze native of Israel whose brother, Lutfi, was an Israeli soldier who was killed during the last Gaza war in 2014. Arab author Susan Abuhawa, writing for Al Jazeera, said, Israel's new nation-state law follows in the footsteps of Jim Crow, the Indian Removal Act, and the Nuremberg Laws. More than 80 years after Nazi Germany enacted what came to be known as the Nuremberg Race Laws, Israeli legislators voted in favor of the so-called nation-state law. By doing so, they essentially codified Jewish supremacy into law, which effectively mirrors the Nazi-era legislation of ethno-religious stratification of German citizenry. Israel's nation-state law stipulates in its first clause that actualization of the right of national self-determination in the state of Israel is unique to the Jewish people. In other words, the 1.7 million Palestinian citizens of Israel, the native inhabitants, the biblical Ger, who managed to remain in their homes when European Jews conquered parts of historical Palestine in 1948, shall be without sovereignty or agency forever living at the mercy of Israeli Jews. Well, this statement is only partly truthful. You will find out in just a little while that what the Jews have done was already done by the Palestinians. 
not to mention that the land of Abraham's inheritance never was, is not now, nor will it ever be the home of Palestinians. All who desire to inhabit the land as an inheritance must accept the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Esau or Ishmael, to become Hebrews in the heart. The Palestinians are just not there. In similar fashion, the first of the Nuremberg Laws, the Reich Citizenship Law, deemed citizenship a privilege exclusive to people of German or kindred blood. The remainder were classed as state subjects without citizenship rights. The Merits Party petitioned the High Court of Justice Tuesday against the Jewish nation-state law, saying that it is discriminatory. The Merits Party is a left-wing, social democratic, and green political party in Israel formed in 1992. Merits became the second group to petition against the controversial law enacted July 19th, following a petition that was filed last week by Druze Knesset members and leaders with the support of Financial Minister Moshe Kalon. The court set a January hearing for that case. Meritz's petition said that the new law contradicts the principle of equality and he said there is no precedent in the world for maintaining discrimination based on race, religion, or gender. The petition also asked the court to nullify a clause that downgrades Arabic from an official language of the state to merely a special language. The Arabic language controversy is the leopard hiding in the bushes, as we will see in just a little while. The Prime Minister decided to shamelessly rank the citizens of the state with Jews as Class A, Druze as Class B, and Arabs, gays, and lesbians at the bottom of the totem pole, with racism that was approved by the Knesset as a basic law, Merit's leader Tamar Zandberg said. I agree this law lends itself to easy discrimination against non-Jews. The bigger issue is that it is biblically rebellious against God's express commandments on how to treat other people. But I also disagree with Zandberg on a couple of things. The first disagreement is that Zandberg adds hyperbole to the argument, an exaggeration of the discrimination that will come from this bill. The second disagreement I have with Zandberg is more important. There must never be equality for sinners, gays and lesbians in God's land. That was not God's purpose when he defined what a gare should be. The gare was to keep and be held responsible to the commandments equally with the Israelites in exchange for equality of citizenship. Meanwhile, retired Supreme Court Judge Salih Jubran slammed the law in an Israel radio interview. Jubran said he is proud that his first language is Arabic and is upset that it no longer is an official language of Israel. 
The nation-state law makes no mention of equality, even in one word, Gibran complained. This bill is not good. It is a bad law that is unnecessary. It does not add honor to Israel's book of laws, and therefore I believe its fate is that it will be canceled, and I hope that happens as soon as possible. Thousands turned out in Tel Aviv in what was billed the biggest Arabic lesson in the world on Monday evening. The crowd included Jews and Arabs who repeated basic words and terms in Arabic after the teachers who delivered their lesson from a central stage, sometimes with translations into Hebrew, but often not. Let me interject here. For Torah keepers, the issue is not about the Hebrew language per se. The pure language in Zephaniah 3.9 is about terminologies and definitions under Yahweh's law more than it is about actually speaking Hebrew, though both are essential. Zephaniah 3.9 says, For then will I turn to the people a pure language, that they may all call upon the name of the Lord to serve him with one consent. We should expect Hebrew to be the official language of Israel. However, there is more to this verse than we are usually taught. The reason for the pure language is not so Israel can use it for an elitist agenda, but so that all may call upon the name of Yahweh and serve Him with one consent. In other words, Getting the definitions of Hebrew words and terminologies aligned with God's own intentions will be the outcome of the pure language and it will enable all people to serve him with one consent as an Echad congregation. Calling on the name of Yahweh includes everyone defining the kingdom's legal terminologies the same way. I mentioned the word ger earlier. The law of first use defines the word, but people have changed it to mean something different and use it to discriminate against us believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did you know that Hebrew roots believers are not even considered ger in Judaism? We're still Noahides to the Jews. And however, there is no word Noahide in the scripture. The Jews use ger to mean a proselyte, one who is converting to Judaism. The word Noahide is a Jewish cultural word that is synonymous with Gentile. This is an example of how God's word definition has been changed by man and why we must return to defining God's words with God's intended meanings. So I am not a Gentile. I am a Hebrew, like Abraham, because I am Abraham's seed. The truth is, 
that there are only two types of people in the scripture Hebrews and Gentiles Hebrews have a subset Ger who live among the Hebrews and are to be treated as equals with the Hebrews wherever they are on earth in Israel or elsewhere but most especially in Israel Ger was never defined by Yahweh as a Jewish convert this is just one example of how our Hebrew people house of Judah and house of Israel need to return to the pure language or definitions of Yahweh's terminology how can we call on and serve him together as one when we cannot even agree on the terms and the twisted cultural terms found in every Jewish sect and Christian denomination that all have different meanings we can't it is impossible the IDI said the Jewish nation state law is largely symbolic and not practical the heads of the Israel Democracy Institute said on Sunday in a briefing for English media the IDI is an independent center of research and action dedicated to strengthening the foundations of Israeli democracy it works to bolster the values and institutions of Israel as a Jewish and democratic state and influence policy legislation and public opinion even though IDI monitors legislation that it believes harms Israeli democracy its leaders downplayed the practical impact that the final version of the Jewish nation-state law passed two weeks ago could have on Israel's future it is not a game-changer and has very little problematic implications but it causes anxiety IDI vice president Yuvai Shani said it won't change how the country is run it is not an injury but an insult it doesn't change anything practically so does this mean that Hebrews the world over are now allowed to insult others here's the worst part the part I've been leading up to in this report and something I'm now wondering is this bill a first step in justifying a two-state solution down the road will the Jews justify handing over part of the land dividing it and giving the Palestinians East Jerusalem because they will have been further separated in the future by language and culture is this the start of dividing the land here's the part you don't know the Palestinian Authority passed its own basic law in 2003 that clearly defines a future Palestinian state as an ethnic Arab state in which Islam is the dominant religion meaning Sharia law holds sway and Arabic is the only official language this could be the start of my worst fears for Israel if they are moving toward two states by first implementing a nation-state law whose outcome and possible intent 
is to outlaw Arabic, the language of the Palestinians. I fear the house of Judah has just started down a slippery slope. The Knesset has decided to convene a special session during the summer recess on August 8th to deliberate on the bill and its impact on the Druze community. The special session was requested by M.K. Zuhair Balu's Zion Union Party, which obtained 52 signatures from opposition factions. This is more than twice as many as is required to initiate a special session during the recess. However, no voting is permitted during a recess session. The Druze also took their battle to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who told them there is nothing that prejudices the special status of the Druze community in Israel. The people of Israel and myself among them love and appreciate you. We greatly value our partnership and our alliance. But then, he said, the law won't change, because... There is nothing in the law which hurts you. Netanyahu expressed willingness to pass new laws and initiate new programs to help the Druze when the Knesset returns from its summer recess in October. High-profile members of Israel's Druze community are voicing their opposition to the new legislation. My name is Amal Assad, a citizen of the State of Israel and a non-Jew and 26-year IDF retiree. What do you mean by a national state for the Jewish people? He asked. If I am not a Jew, then the state will not be my state. We are rooted in this country no less than any Jewish citizen because it is our country and our homeland for hundreds of years, he added. Thousands of Israelis, including several retired high-ranking military officials, plan to attend a mass protest held by the Druze in Tel Aviv on Saturday. We will prove to the people of Israel and the government of Israel that this is a bad law, bad for all of us, and it needs to be annulled, says Amal Assad. The Druze population is roughly 140,000 who live in the Galilee and the Golan Heights. Three Druze officers already resigned from the IDF this week. Stay tuned, I'll be right back after these messages. Hi, this is Kimberly Rogers-Brown thanking you for listening to The Jerusalem Report produced by BeastWatchNews.com and asking you to send your support. A donation of any size to BeastWatchNews.com. It costs money to run ministries, to teach the word, interpret the prophecies, and to keep websites online. Trust me, we sure do appreciate it. And remember, you can read the transcript of today's broadcast under the Jerusalem Report at BeastWatchNews.com Join Pete Rambo and Kimberly Rogers Brown in Jerusalem for the Feast of Sukkot. 16 nights for only $825. Offer includes breakfast and dinner. Does not include airfare, other transportation, or lunch. Present yourself before the eyes and heart of the King in Jerusalem. Go to AniYosef.com for details. A-N-I-Y-O-S-E-F.com See you this year in Jerusalem and stay tuned for details on the upcoming Jerusalem tour. Such a deal. 
join the Rambo and Brown Jerusalem Tour at Sukkot 2018 for only $199 for three days or $74 a day for a single day in case you can't attend all three days. We will visit the important sites in Jerusalem Old City, plus Mount Herzl and Yad Vashem, the Holocaust Museum. You will see amazing archaeological evidence of Jerusalem and Temple Mount going back thousands of years. This year in Jerusalem. Some in the Knesset already want to change the law. Moshe Kalon called for changes to the law and Naftali Bennett said his government must heal the wound caused to the Druze by the new law. He also called the legislation necessary and just but must be fixed to limit damage done to Israel supporting army serving minority groups. Yahweh's laws are just and don't need fixed so why not just adopt those in the Knesset? Haaretz published a blistering analysis of the new law in an article titled Analysis Netanyahu's Incitement on Nation-State Law Herald's Approach of Israel's Day of Reckoning. Here are some excerpts. On Sunday, Benjamin Netanyahu was at his worst. Intentionally and maliciously, he transformed the debate over the new nation-state law into a test of loyalty. If you're with the Jews, you're with me, the Prime Minister cried. He, his ministers, his parliamentarians, and his obedient coalition parties legislated a law that was supposed to be good for the Jews but delighted their enemies instead. The nation-state law tarnished Israel's good name, inflicted sorrow and hurt on its admirers, gave its enemies a powerful battering ram and sowed strife and discord among Israel's already divided public. So, who's to blame, as far as Netanyahu is concerned? Why, the left, of course, silly. Eight former police chiefs are now urging Israel to change the new nation-state law. In another development, one Israeli couple are being used as an example for other Jews. In a case of religious persecution in Israel... The Ministry of Interior, the MOI, is trying to rescind citizenship to a Messianic Jewish couple. Ariel and Shayla Hyde are the couple being persecuted by the Israeli government for their belief in Yeshua. Ariel and his parents moved to Israel and became citizens in 2003. Two years later, Ariel met his future wife, Shayla, and they married in 2008. After Ariel finished college in the U.S., both he and Shayla are American citizens, they returned to Israel to live in 2010 promptly submitting to the Ministry of Interior all paperwork required for Shayla to obtain Israeli citizenship. Ariel's parents, Richard and Carolyn Hyde, are also long-time targets of a religiously motivated quest by the Ministry of Interior to deport them, and more recently, Ariel's brother Avi and his wife Leora. 
Israeli law provides that a non-citizen spouse of an Israeli citizen who meets all other legal requirements be granted citizenship after a four and a half year waiting period. Though Ariel and Shayla have lived here together for eight years and now have three young children with a fourth one expected in August, the MOI has not only denied Shayla's application but has also recently informed the couple of its intent to revoke Ariel's citizenship, effectively forcing them to leave Israel. The Ministry of Interior officially opted to revoke Ariel's citizenship, though they have failed to present their evidence within the specified deadline, thus again failing to obey the court and continuing to leave Ariel and Shayla Hyde in limbo. After some Messianic Jews have already immigrated to Israel, the Ministry of Interior can refuse to renew their passports, refuse to re register their newly born children, and in extreme cases, revoke their citizenship. This situation reveals an illegal alliance between a government office that is obligated to operate in a non-discriminative, legal, and equal manner and fundamental religious groups, their core values being to advance their main objectives of preventing Jews from believing in ways different from theirs. It just boggles my mind why anyone would want to convert to Judaism to join this mess. Now we're going to talk about the fighting over the stone. The heavy stone that fell out of the western wall and came crashing down last week has sparked conversation about the reason for its fall. Rabbi Shmuel Rabinovich, the rabbi of the Western Wall, called for public soul-searching in the wake of an incident that he saw as unusual and most rare. Deputy Mayor of Jerusalem Dov Kalmanovich said, We must not explain and interpret natural phenomena as signs from heavens as the ways of the Creator are hidden. Then he did a 180, blaming the Reform Jewish activists who want women and non-Orthodox Jews to be able to pray as they wish at the Orthodox-controlled wall. Okay, let me get this straight. The way the Orthodox Jews want the Western Wall to operate is for no one but Orthodox Jews to pray there. No Reform conservative, Karaite, or Messianic Jews. No Christians, no Hebrew roots, just Orthodox Jews. But here's what the Orthodox will still want. They will still want all these people to bring their shekels for the Western Wall Tours, the Davidson Center, and Canaanite Tunnel Tours. Bring your money, but not your heart, and don't you dare approach God's temple. Hey, that sounds a lot like in Acts 21, when Paul wanted to bring his newly converted House of Israel friends, who took a seven-day Nazarite vow with him, and the Jews tried to kill him for it when he brought them to do their purification. Well, what do you know? 
they're still up to their old tricks two thousand years later. Back to the article. But Aidan Solovey, author and teacher who supports efforts by Reformed Jews to pray as they wish at the Western Wall, took a different tack. On Tisha B'Av, God revealed a deep love of Reformed Jews, he wrote in a blog post. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, God held back a stone from falling from the southern western wall onto liberal Jews worshipping below. Those who favor the nation-state bill are claiming the stone falling as a sign of their correctness. Rabbi Denya Rutenberg, an author in Brooklyn, Massachusetts, or I should say Brookline, Massachusetts, connected the Stones' fall with the controversial nation-state bill, as well as a law that denies surrogacy rights to same-sex couples. Here we go again. Confusion in the camp. This reform rabbi thinks the nation-state bill is wrong, but Israel's rampant homosexuality is right. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. But the award for the best response should probably go to the archaeologist Mayer Ben Dove, one of the original excavators of the Robinson's Arch area, who said, Eh, so a rock fell. So what? The state of Israel isn't ended. The Messiah won't come because of this. Well, the book of Habakkuk has something to say about this stone. Chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand at my guard post and station myself on a tower. I will wait and see what the Lord will say about me and what I will answer when he reprimands me. When he answered, the Lord told me, Write out the revelation, engraving it clearly on the tablets so that a courier may run with it. For the revelation pertains to an appointed time. It speaks truthfully about the end. Though it delays, wait for it, because it will surely come about. It will not be late. Indeed, the stone will cry out from the wall, and the rafter will respond from the woodwork. God said, Wait for it. Wait for it. It's going to seem like this prophecy will never be fulfilled. Wait for it. Fulfilled. Now, moving on to Palestinian terrorism. Israel has had a lot of terror attacks in the last few days. They've responded to fatal knife attacks with new settler homes, which Avigdor Lieberman says is the best way to answer the Palestinian attacks. Again, I believe the best and biblical way to answer these attacks is for Israel to take back all of its territory. The way for Israel to conquer terrorism is expansion, not contraction into a tighter enclosed community, and to begin living according to God's word, making the gear 
equal citizens. Now, moving on again, there's going to be an abomination in Yahweh's holy city. Tens of thousands of people are expected to march for equal rights for the LGBT community under heavy police protection Thursday afternoon in what is being billed as the largest ever gay parade, gay pride rather, parade in Jerusalem. Organizers say some 30,000 people are expected to take part in the march, which will begin at Plummer Square at 5 p.m. and end at Independence Park. After winding its way down Karen Hyassod Boulevard, Hillel Street, and Moshe Ben Yisrael Street, some 2,500 police are being deployed to guard the parade, including border police, gendarmes, and plainclothes cops. As in years since the stabbing attack, police will restrict entry points into the march and perform security checks. Oh, we must protect the abominators. Can you tell this enrages me? But it's a righteous rage, righteous indignation. Organizers say the official theme of the march is honoring elderly members and pioneers of the LGBT community, but the event is expected to be overshadowed by widespread anger over a recent law that bars gay men from surrogacy parenthood rights. Well, they won't have to be mad too long because Israel now has a new adoption law that will give same-sex couples the same right to adopt children in Israel as other couples, according to the memorandum of the bill written by the Justice and Social Affairs Ministries as obtained by Haaretz. The new law would still give preference to couples over single parents, and to be considered a couple, the two partners would have to have been living together for at least three years. Talk about a redefinition of what marriage means. Remember the pure language? Can Yahweh's people come together to serve Him as one when they don't even know the definition of marriage? The new legislation does not include the clause in the previous law stating that there is no adoption except by a man and his wife together. Sources told Haaretz that member of Knesset Shaked has not yet seen the memorandum and it's not clear whether she will approve it. Now we're going to talk about peace in Israel. Saudi's King Salman is pushing back these days on Trump's peace plan saying the Palestinians must get East Jerusalem in the deal. Saudi Arabia has reportedly reassured the Palestinian Authority and Arab states that it would oppose any peace plan put forward by U.S. President Donald Trump's administration that does not accept the Palestinian stance on the status of Jerusalem and the resettlement of millions of descendants of refugees. We will not abandon you, King Salman promised Palestinian Authority President Mahmoud Abbas during a recent meeting, according to Reuters on Sunday. We accept what you accept, and we reject what you reject, the Saudi king added. The Palestinian ambassador to Riyadh Bassem al-Aga told the news agency, See? 
The Saudis have great timing. Right after Israel's nation-state bill was enacted as the Jewish counterpart to the Palestinians' 2003 law, King Solomon backs the Palestinians. He is backtracking from his previous support of Trump's peace plan without East Jerusalem for the Palestinians. Isn't it interesting that now that Israel has voted in favor of a bill that makes Hebrew Israel's official language, a bill that matches the 2003 Palestinian Basic Law making Arabic the Palestinians' official language, that suddenly Solomon is backtracking his position. I think he's doing it at the behest of Trump in preparation for separation, dividing the land. In fact, this Haaretz article from May 23, 2017 says the Arab leaders who were at the Riyadh summit, you remember that summit, and especially Saudi King Salman raised the Palestinian issue with Trump, the official said. They also told Trump they want to see progress on the peace process and expressed a willingness to... They're going to help no matter what Trump wants, right? So what does Trump want now? One state or two? Trump replied, I believe that a new level of partnership is possible and will happen, one that will bring greater safety to this region. This includes a renewed effort at peace between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Last December, the New York Times reported that Ben Salman had pressured Abbas to accept Trump's peace plan, which made no clear commitment on a capital in East Jerusalem or full statehood. Earlier this year, Salman said in an interview with U.S. News magazine The Atlantic that Israel had the right to a homeland, a controversial departure from long-term Arab policy. King Salman's recent pledges appear to have been prompted by U.S. Donald Trump's controversial decision to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital and relocate its embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Let me ask you, do you think it's possible the New World Order elites are sneaking a two-state deal on the people? The nation-state bill prepares the way by downgrading the Arabic language in Israel. In fact, if you will note, the big screaming over the bill has been about the downgrading of the Arabic language more than anything else. Now, Israel's official language is Hebrew and the Palestinians' official language is Arabic. The Lord used language to separate people because of their sins. Man is using it to sin against God and divide his land. But the bigger question is, why? Well, it's because war is coming. Right now, there is a blockade accompanied by a war of words over the Red Sea at the moment. 
Iran's Houthi rebels fighting Saudi Arabia attacked two oil tankers in the Bab el-Mandeb shipping lane, causing Saudi Arabia to have to suspend oil shipments. Well, that is giving oil prices a bumpy rise. Western powers need to control their economies by solidifying the King of the South coalition so that Israel can be openly and formally an ally of Saudi Arabia. In other words, Trump, the Saudis, Egypt, Jordan, in fact, most of the nations that will be attacked by Iran want Israel to be in a military treaty wherein Israel must fight with these nations in a time of war. Trump is putting together an Arab NATO, it was reported this week. In my opinion, it is more likely than not that Israel's affirmative vote on the nation-state bill is directly tied to Trump's peace plans as the West tries to stem the tide of war with Iran. It may be, I'm not certain, that Netanyahu has rolled over like a dog with paws in the air to Donald Trump if there is fear that Iran will attack Israel soon. Remember at the beginning of this broadcast I said I think fear is driving some of what is happening in Israel. In fact, Trump this week offered to meet with Iran's President Rouhani with no preconditions. Now, that's a sign of fear. The press is taking it as courage. It's not. Trump just lost the entire Middle East for the big oil boys and they've probably sent him on a mission to fix it if he can there is fear in the air and methinks the Jews just made a big mistake because of it but we shall see where all of this leads certainly none of it is leading the world to a better outcome it is leading to war and then the better outcome That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.